So I want to get into uh, this morning, uh, Ola kind of launched us last week on a little series um, using these words, power, influence, and praise, and looking at some of the stories that we read leading up to the crucifixion. So power, influence, and praise. And uh, so we're going to be looking at that again this morning. And I wonder if uh, you've seen the news about the Suez Canal, uh, the ship that's, that's stuck uh, in the Suez Canal. So this massive container ship, I, I used to work on a cargo ship. It's one of my many jobs I used to do as a navigating officer. So I can imagine what it was like. Apparently, this massive container ship, it's 400 meters long. That is very long uh, with many containers on it. And with bad visibility uh, and with lots of winds, if... If a wind, you know, hits those ships, it's like a sail. You can imagine it's stacked up with, with uh, containers. Uh, but however it happens, they've ended up uh, across the canal and stuck in the mud, uh, which you, you would think, you know, is, is bizarre. But actually, there are many shipping accidents that happen uh, all the time. So it's been taken totally off course and got stuck. And um, I want to talk about someone who got off course and got stuck this morning, and that person is the Apostle Peter, uh, who got off course and got stuck. So let's just pray, and then we'll get into reading the Scripture. Lord, we come to you, Lord, so aware of uh, being human beings, Lord, who do get stuck, who uh, go off course so easily. And we come to you again today, wanting to be captivated afresh, as we have been in worship Lord, just amazed and in awe of who you are and all that you have done for us. So we submit ourselves afresh to you and you say, won't you come and take hold of us again? And we thank you for Peter and just the truth and honesty in your word about difficult times and challenging times and getting stuck. So I pray, Lord, as we read that, won't you work in us and won't you free us up, Lord? Won't you bring freedom to us this morning? Lord, in whatever it is that we are stuck in, Lord, come and bring freedom, I pray, this morning. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. So John 18, um, I'm going to start. We're talking about Peter's denial. So John 18, read verses 15 to 18, and then jump down to verse 25 to 27. Simon Peter and another disciple were following Jesus. So this has happened after They've come into the Garden of Gethsemane and they've taken uh, Jesus away, taking him to the high priest. So they were following him. Because this disciple was known to the high priest, he went with Jesus into the high priest's courtyard. But Peter had to wait outside at the door. The other disciple, who was known to the high priest, came back, spoke to the servant girl on duty there and brought Peter in. You aren't one of this, ma this man's disciples too, are you? She asked Peter. He replied, I am not. It was cold, and the servants and officials stood around a fire they had made to keep warm. Peter also was standing with them, warming himself. Verse 25. Meanwhile, Simon Peter was still standing there, warming himself. So they asked him, You aren't one of his disciples too, are you? He denied it, saying, I am not. One of the high priest's servants, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off. So in the garden of Gethsemane, Peter had drawn a sword, cut off the man's ear. Jesus had picked up the ear and healed the man. 
And that, that guy, or actually that guy's relative, he says, I think I recognize you. Weren't you the man who cut his ear off? He challenged him. Didn't I see you with him in the garden? Again, Peter denied it. And at that moment, a rooster began to crow. What an awful moment. What an absolutely awful moment. It, it gets me actually even as I think of it again. Such a horrible moment for Peter, really. And as we think of these words of power, influence, and praise, well, we see Peter here having no power. And I think it's one of the things we're going to talk about is that he realized he had no power. The Romans ruled, the religious powers of the day were in charge. He's got no influence. In fact, he can't even get in the gate. It says they wouldn't let him in. And John, he goes back because he's known and he says, you know, he's okay, you, you can let him in. Yet he, he had so little influence he couldn't even get in the gate. And certainly there was nothing praiseworthy as we look at the story of him denying his Savior three times. So hard to grasp how Peter must have felt when that rooster crowed. This is Peter who, not long before, when Jesus had said, who do you say I am? He had said, you're the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Peter was the one that had declared it. He's the one that had seen. This is, this is who Jesus is. He'd grasped it and, and he'd understood that this wasn't just a man, this was the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And then also just before this, so the Passover meal where we know the story of Jesus continuing to humble himself, he washes the disciples' feet, he predicts that Judas is going to betray him. And then in John 13, we see this exchange between Jesus and Peter, John 13, 33. Jesus is saying, my children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. A new command I give to you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus replied, where I'm going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Then Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly, I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And now it had happened. Just as Jesus had said, it would happen. And can imagine for Peter those words ringing in his ears as he remembers that Jesus had said this and, and he furiously denied it. That's not what I'm going to do. He must have felt such a failure, must have been such despair, such weakness that he felt in that moment. So disappointed with himself. How did he get there? How did he end up there? And we don't know, and obviously it's a question we may want to ask him when we see him. How did he get there? But if we were to surmise, 
and think about how he ended up in this place, I do wonder if it had to do with power. If it had to do with power. I wonder if for the moment he forgot who has the power. If he forgot who actually has power. As he feared for his life, he'd just seen the guards come and take Jesus away. It seemed like everything was falling apart. But then also he'd seen Jesus, you know, kind of heal the guy. But still, everything's falling apart, and Jesus has been taken. He realizes he's, he's got no power. He's fearing for his life. What's going to happen if I'm associated with him? Because things seem to be going downhill. Do the Romans, do the high priest, does he have the power? And I think fear got to him in that moment, didn't it? And he thought, well, actually, the power is there. It's not in Jesus. That's, that's what I need to fear right now. The Romans, the high priest, they've got power over my life, my situation. It's got power over my life. And we all have fears that we have to deal with. He was dealing with fear in that moment. Each time he was challenged, he responded really out of fear, didn't he? Saying, no, I, I don't know him, because he was scared of what was going to happen. And we can have fears very easily in our life, whether it's fears around our health, whether it's fears around finance, how are we going to cope, how are we going to cope in future years with uh, our finances, are we going to have enough? Uh, we can be obsessed, really, with, in our Western world, particularly because we have so much, we get obsessed about are we going to have enough to the ends, whereas much of the world is living, well, just do I have enough for today? But we're thinking, well, my retirement, will I have enough? Will I be able to live on it? Those are fears that can grip us. We can have fears for our kids. What's going to happen to my kids? And, and we don't know what's going to happen. We can have real fear there. We can have fear for our parents. What's going to happen with our parents? And just heard today of um, Dom Lambert, someone who's in the church whose, whose mum has died, and it's hard when that happens. I know as both my parents you know, have died over, over recent years, and we can wonder, well, you know, what's going to happen? We can have fear that we carry around all these things. Singles, am I going to find a husband, a wife? There's all sorts of fear that we can carry, and I think it's natural. We do have fear in, in this lifetime. The question is, what do we do with it? What do we do with it? See, the more influence I let fear have, the more power it has in my life. The more I let fear influence me and I kind of live in it, the more power I'm giving it and the more it rules over me. And Peter, I think, he let that fear get to him in this moment, that he would be known as Christ's disciple, and he let it have power over him. So he denied Christ. So the question is, what fears do you allow to gain influence in your life so that they have power over you? Just think for a moment, you know, are, are there things, and we'll have a moment later to bring that to God, but are there fears, are there things you're allowing to influence your life so that actually you give 
them power. And if we broaden that question out a bit further, we can ask, well, what decisions do you make that are driven by giving influence and power to things other than God? What decisions do you make that you're making them really because you're giving power to something else other than God? It may be a desire for something that you give power to. You really want that thing. I really want that car. And it almost has power over you that you do everything you can to get it and go for it. It's a simple example, I know. But there are different things that we can kind of give ourselves to that we allow to have power over us, whether it's fear, other things that influence our decisions other than God. And Peter here was so challenged in the moments that he gave power to something else other than Christ. The wonderful thing is that we know that the story doesn't end there for Peter, which is so encouraging, and without that, we would be left in this point. It's the end of the sermon. (laughs) The stuff has got power over us. We give in, and we don't get very far. We give in to fear. It's not a great end to the story. But thankfully, we can jump forward to actually after the crucifixion and after the resurrection. So Jesus, he's alive again. We're going to celebrate this next weekend. And the disciples have seen him. They're kind of getting to terms that, that he's alive. And then Peter and some of the disciples, they decide to go fishing. It is an odd choice, really, you would think, when suddenly Jesus is alive um, and, well, we're going to go fishing, but maybe it's because he's returning to what he's always known. And even that can be a challenge uh, for us. What influence and power do we give to the familiar, to just returning to what's comfortable, to what we've always known? I think it's a challenge for us as we look at church today Obviously, church, as we know, it has been interrupted. It's been, you know, impacted, uh, and things are going back to normal. Well, what does God want to do? We don't want to just be influenced and give power to just wanting to go back to the familiar, just back to our comfort zone. That's a challenge for us uh, and a challenge for us in life. So perhaps we're feeling like that about the church. Why can't it just be like it used to be? But God has a journey for us. He's got an adventure of faith for us to step into. He is the one that wants to have power in our lives. So they're there. They go fishing. They don't catch anything all night. Jesus appears, tells them to put the net out the other side. They have this miraculous catch because they obey him. They come back. Jesus prepares a meal for them, and then we read this interaction between Jesus and Peter, John 21, 15 to 19. It says, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? 
Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. And so we see this beautiful, incredible, powerful moment where Jesus commissions Peter afresh. He restores him, reconciles him, brings him back, and he sends him on a path again to care for God's people. What do you think? Just give me a few things that are praiseworthy that we see in, in what I've just read. Just give me a few things that, that are wonderful in that interaction. Yeah, that's great, isn't it? Three replies giving him purpose out of the three denials. What, what things do we else do we see? Gentleness. We see amazing gentleness. That's something that's praiseworthy. That's wonderful that he responds out of such love uh, to, to Peter. Sorry? Faithful, did you say? Back to him. Yeah, so he was faithful. He didn't desert him, didn't leave him. Uh, but came back. Being faithful is something that is so praiseworthy that we don't just uh, say, well, that's done and dusted. You're a write-off. you finished. Jesus doesn't do that. It's so wonderful. He's so faithful to us. He comes back to restore. Wonderful. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, he meets us exactly where we are, and uh, he comes to us and comes to our level in the mess that we are in, the where we've we've given power to something else. He comes and meets us right there. That's incredible. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it's not just, uh, you know, he's the Lord, just follow him over there. He comes right in and personal. Uh, there's heart, there's intimacy, real intimacy. That's something, again, that's praiseworthy. Intim- being able to be intimate with Jesus. He serves as well. I love it, that picture. Jesus, again, he comes and he serves. He prepares a meal. He serves Peter. Peter, the one who's just blown it, who's just denied him. I mean, you know, when someone says something against you, um, never mind denying you in that way, the last thing you want to do is go and serve them. What an amazing thing that Jesus does. Some other things, obviously forgiveness, he just forgives. There's no resentment or recriminations. He forgives. Amazing love. And he calls him to be a follower. What a praiseworthy thing to be a follower. It's not something that uh, we normally count as praiseworthy. Being a leader, well, that's praiseworthy. But actually, Jesus says here, follow me. There's, there's something praiseworthy, wonderful in being a follower. 
Um, it's something in our world today we don't high hold very highly, but actually we're followers of Jesus. It's something that is actually quite praiseworthy to follow in that way, to submit and give ourselves. So it's an amazing picture, a wonderful picture. And we see Peter shifting after this. So we know that um, in Acts, when the Holy Spirit is poured out, that uh, we see Peter stand up and preach boldly. But actually before that even, so before the empowering of the Holy Spirit, we see a change in Peter. He suddenly he's back with the disciples. We see him uh, take a lead when it comes to, okay, we need to choose another disciple. Peter is the one that actually takes the lead. Something has shifted from this, this man who was denying, who was a mess, to now someone who's actually stepping forward before, as I say, even the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, which, which takes him further forward again. Well, what's changed? I think the critical thing is that he's given the power to Jesus. He's saying, Jesus, yeah, you are my Lord. I am following you. You are the one that has the power. He was in fear. He let fear get the better of him. He gave fear power to reign over him in that way. But now he's saying, Jesus, I am following you. You have the power. You are the one that I am following. It's a, it's a critical change because Jesus has come and turned things around. That containership that is stuck, it needs to be unstuck. Some power greater than itself needs to come and move it out of the mud. And Peter was totally stuck. What could move him? Well, the power of Jesus coming from his resurrection could move him from being this man stuck giving power to fear, lost in that sense, to a man who is now following Jesus, who has given Jesus the power. Jesus breaks through. He sets a new course for him, sends him on his way to be uh, someone to, who's going to follow him and is going to lead others, who's going to feed his sheep, feed Jesus' sheep, who's going to uh, lead the church forward. And we need to receive that in our lives, things that we are stuck in, fears I was talking about. The power of Jesus will break us free from those. Not only that, but actually we are called to be people who break others free as well. I want to read to you as we come to an end from 2 Corinthians 5, 14 to 21. It says, for, the, for Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he, that's Jesus, died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and was raised again. See, no longer living for ourselves, but now living for Christ who has died for us. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. 
So as we've been reconciled, as we've been freed from the muds, as we've, we've been set on our course to follow Jesus, we are also called to be people who set others free, who bring this ministry of reconciliation, who bring them to Jesus to be set free. We call to be doing that. As we come to Easter, we should be thinking of who can I bring to Jesus to be set free? Who can I talk to about this wonderful reconciliation, this new life that I know, this new creation that I've become? Who can I talk to about that so they can encounter the one who will set them free? He has given us this ministry of reconciliation. He's committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making His appeal through us. Isn't that amazing? It's as though God were making His appeal through us, which is exactly what He does. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made Him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. What an amazing gospel that we saved by faith alone, saved by grace alone, redeemed by Christ alone, redeemed of our sin, to be people who are reconciled and who reconcile. So this thing of power, I want to remind us, what are we giving power to in our lives? Christ is the one that we need to follow. He is the one that we need to give power to. And He wants to unstick us from the mud this morning. Maybe, maybe you have fears that actually you find they have too much influence in your life. Jesus wants to unstick you from that. Maybe you're trapped in confusion thinking that this world just doesn't make sense. Well, Jesus actually wants to unstick you from that. Maybe you're trapped in the lie that it's all about you. It's a lie that the enemy wants us to believe, that it's all about me. Well, Jesus wants to unstick you from that this morning. 